Philippians 1 and verse 6, the title of the message today, this is the second in our series appointed for me, and the title is Confidence in God's Plan. If you know God's plan for life, your life, it's important that you have confidence in it, that you say, all right, I am confident in what God has for me. One writer in Christianity Today made this observation about knowing and following God's call or God's will in your life. Here's what he said. I've learned that ignoring a calling can lead to depression, anger, frustration, and deep dissatisfaction with life. And I have learned that following a calling can also lead to moments of depression, anger, frustration, and loneliness. Yet, underneath those facts or feelings will be a profound sense of peace and satisfaction. That's what we want with our lives. We want to know that we're living and doing God's will in our lives, and we want to be at peace and have great satisfaction in it. I think the point to the statement that we just read is that there is no escaping life. I'm going to do God's will, so I'll escape the rest of life. There's no escaping life. There is, however, living life in the hand of God and in the center of God's will. Regardless of who we are, what God has for us and how, and, and excuse me, let me say it again, regardless of who we are, what God has for us, and how far along we are in the process. Life is real. Now, that being said, life can be lived several ways. It can be lived in uneasiness. It can be lived with confusion. It can be lived in fear, none of which are part of God's plan for any of our lives. God is not the author of confusion. God does not want us to live in fear, and he wants us to have confidence. The joy beyond the circumstances of your life or that life has handed you is to know that you're in the will of God and to be confident in his will. Now, many years ago, in fact, when I was in seminary, I took a verse as my life's verse. It was Philippians 1.6. Here's Philippians 1.6 as heard in the King James Version, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I took that verse to help me in times of difficulty, in times when navigating life didn't seem uh, to be all that good, and doing God's will didn't seem to be <clears throat> all that fulfilling. Yet, I relied on Philippians 1.6. Here it is as our text today. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul considered the Philippian saints to be partners with him in the things of Christ. They were partners with him in ministry. As a church, they had shared with him in his time of need. They were very generous. They gave of themselves to Paul, and they gave of themselves to the cause of Christ. They had also had fellowship with him from the first day that he had and they had trusted Christ. Philippians 1.5, 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul had a long relationship with them. Paul had been with them a long time, like Pastor Ray's been here 25 years. Paul had been, had a relationship with them for a very long time. And great confidence gripped the apostle as he thought about and as he prayed for the Philippians. Paul had come to a settled conviction earlier that he was, that he still was confident that what God had led them to do, they would continue to do. And the reason was because it was God working in their lives. And I should pause and say this, that if God is working in your life and you know you're doing what God wants you to do and you're following God's plan for your life, then you can have confidence that you will complete God's plan for your life. Now that good work for them included their salvation, their dedication to the ministry, that, and, and their demonstration of partnering with Paul in the work of God. He was very confident that what they had started, they would do. It's a good thing when a leader, a spiritual leader, or any kind of leader, can be confident that the people are doing what the people are called to do, or led to do, or should be doing. Now, Paul had no doubt that God would continue in the Philippians what he had begun in them. God would work in them until the day or the time that they were in the presence of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't know when the day of Christ or the, the coming of Christ would, would occur, but he did believe that the work that, they, that God had begun in them would continue. Now, here's what that does. That brings us to confidence in God's plan for our own lives. I'm just stopping to ask you this. Don't answer out loud. Don't raise your hand. Don't just look straight ahead. All right. Keep your eyes on the road. Are you confident, A, that you are doing God's plan for your life, and B, are you confident in the plan that God has for you? You say, well, I'm not the pastor, so that doesn't apply. Oh, it absolutely applies. God has a plan for every life. Don't forget We are born with a purpose. Everybody's born with a purpose. And we're born again to find that purpose. So now I'm speaking to born-again believers. Are you confident? Have you found God's plan for your life? And are you confident in God's plan for your life? Now, if you're not a believer, before anything else, the matter of salvation has to be settled. God doesn't want anybody to fail to be saved, to fail, to come to Jesus. Here's what 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, if you are settled in your salvation, and I hope that you are, if you're not, you can be and should be today. But if you are settled in your salvation and believe that God has a plan for your life, and believe that you are at least trying to do God's plan for your life, here's an understanding that I want you to have that will give you confidence in God's will for your life. It is right for me. God's plan is right for me. Now, you may not feel like it's right. You may feel like, man, alive, this doesn't feel right at all. But if you know that you're in God's will, you have to come to that place that it is right for you. Is it possible to miss the will of God for our lives? Yes, that's very possible. However, 
it is also possible to find God's will for your life and to do God's will. So many people say, well, I just don't think I can find God's will. You have a very good opportunity, a very good chance, if you will, and that's not really a good word, to find, to know, and to do God's will. One of the most confident places on the earth is in the middle of the will of God. Doesn't matter what God's, what's, the world is throwing at you or what God allows to happen. One of the most confident places on earth is to know that you are in the center of God's will. I'm looking at a lady right now who has walked through some serious valleys, and part of her ability to walk through those valleys is that she had confidence in the will of God for her life. Now, that is vitally important. Now, listen carefully. It's not questioning, uh, it's not a, a questioning existence, always wondering if you're in the right place. It's not a time of saying, oh, I'm, something bad happened, so I must not be in God's will. It's knowing that this is the right thing for you, regardless of how it feels. And sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes being in the center of God's will, will feels great sometimes not so good. Now, why is it right for me? Here's the first reason. Because it was made for me. God's will for your life was made for you. I want you to see what God said to the nation of Israel through the pen of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this was God's words to Israel, but they're no less applicable to your life and to mine. God has no less interest in your life than He did or does in the nation Israel. God has plans for you and your life that will give you a future and a hope. He knows exactly who you are. He knows where you live. He knows your talents and your abilities. He knows what you look like. He knows what you're going to look like. God knows your life right now today. And look, here is his desire. His desire is to make a kingdom difference through you. His desire is to make a difference through your life. Very, very important. His plan is made for you, specifically for you, individually, not just with you in mind, but for you alone. Well, I think that God must have had this in mind when God made me. No, no. God didn't have something in mind when he made you. God doesn't have something in mind concerning your purpose. God has you specifically, individually, personally, who you are and where you are at this time of life. God has you in mind regarding his plan for you. God's plan is right for you. And it's right for you because it was made for you. It's right for you for another great reason, because it was made by him. It was made for you and it was made by Him. I think all of you believe that life is a gift from God. I believe that you do. I think everybody here believes that life is a gift from God. 
That is that you were made by God in just the manner that he determined that you would be made. He pulled together traits of your parents and your grandparents and, and others before you in order to make you uniquely you. Here's what the psalmist said about his formation in Psalm 139, 14. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So you got to get this. God made you specifically. God didn't make you generically. He made you specifically. You have the eyes that you have because God made you to have those eyes. You have the hair color, the height, the whatever it might be, because God made that specifically for you. Now listen to this. Does the God that made you specifically have a plan for you specifically? Absolutely he does. If God made you to be you, then he made the plan for you to be just for you. You, you do not have to depend on luck. You, you don't have to depend on being in the right place at the right time or anything else that we have a tendency to depend on because God made a plan for you. And God's plan for you is custom. It is made just for you. It is right now at this time in your life. Now, somebody might say, well, I know that God had a plan for me and I tried to follow it out. Oh, no, no, no. God has a plan for you right now, today. Whether or not you're living His will for your life is something that you have to settle between yourself and Him. But you can be sure that He has a plan for your life today, right now. So in considering what has been appointed for you, you can say with confidence, God has a plan and I have confidence in God's plan because it was made for me, because it was made by Him, and because it was made to matter. God did not make any of us insignificant. God made all of us to matter in His kingdom. Now I want you to think about the variety of people in this world. In your own neighborhood, there is a a bouquet, or as, as Ben Carson said the other night in the, Dr. Ben Carson said in the, the Republican debate, there's a, a fruit salad of uh, people uh, in your life. There's a fruit salad, a variety of people in your neighborhood. <clears throat> They're all ages. They're all sizes. They have different personal features. They have various responsibilities and accomplishments in life. There's just a big variety in your neighborhood, in the people that you're associated with just about every day. Now, move out of your neighborhood and into your community and move into your town and move into the state and move into the nation and move into the continent and move to the whole world. And listen to this, every individual life, every individual life was made to matter. You say, now how can that be? Well, because God made them. Every individual life was made to matter. There is no life, there is no calling of life that is insignificant. Well, I'm just poor old me. I'm, I'm not really that much. Oh, yes, you are. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has a plan for your life. It's not a generic plan. It is a specific plan, and God knows who you are, where you are, and what's going on in your life right now, and He wants to use that in your life. Uh, look, insignificant comes, insignificance comes when one does not become born again and find God's will and purpose for their lives. There are a lot of people who appear to have accomplished a lot in life, but they're insignificant. And the reason they're insignificant is because they were born with a purpose, but they never got born again to find that purpose in life. Now, we might think they're significant, but listen very carefully to me. We're going to find out at the end of our life that it wasn't the national economy or the world economy. It was God's economy upon which we uh, were supposed to be living. And we're going to find out when we step from this shore onto the next shore that God had a significant plan, an individual plan that God wanted to accomplish for our lives. And God intended for us to live out that plan and to be significant in this world. It may or may not have to do with how much money you have. It may or may not have to do with how many people know your name. It may or may not have to do with how uh, much you have accomplished. God has a specific individual plan for your life and for my life. Now listen very carefully. And, And for those of us or those of you and us who've heard me preach for years, here's something that I'm going to say that you've heard me say before. Now, I want you to brace yourself. Uh, Ushers, lock the doors. I don't want anybody walking out right now. I want you to listen to this. There is a tendency for some people to live in the past and to say that God's plans are finished for you. Well, God used to have a plan for my life, and I used to try and do God's plan for my life, But that was then. Now I'm going to let other people do God's plan in their lives. Now listen carefully. Unless you are with him in heaven, like Sheldon Wynn is this morning, unless you are with him in heaven, there is still a purpose and a future for your life on this earth, and it was made for you, individually, specifically, custom-made for you. We never outgrow We never outlive God's plan for our lives. Listen carefully. If we are living God's plan for our lives and live every day as God intends for us to live, right up until the last day, this is is vitally important. We live God's plan up until the very end. You say, well, I don't know what God's plan would be for me. I'm very, very old now. Oh, listen very carefully. You do have a plan. I, I believe this with everything that's in me. I believe that Sheldon Wynn, had a plan for his life up until late uh, uh, or early afternoon yesterday. And and at early afternoon yesterday, Sheldon Wynn had his plan finished. I I was at the hospital, and and I was with Roger and Dennis, uh, Sheldon's two sons. And as I was there, uh, we were talking about Sheldon and, and what he had done, and and the life that he had lived, and the kind of person that he was. And they were talking about how that he was talking to the nurses like the day or two before, and, and he was joking with them. He was carrying on with them a little bit, and how he tried to bribe them to let him out of that hospital. And uh, his, his daughter said, he even got up to $35 with me if I'd get him out of that hospital. Now, I want want you to know something. 
that, that little time, though it, it's, it, it's a little pitiful that he wanted to get out of the hospital so badly, that little time had a point and a purpose in the lives of those people that were around Sheldon right up until the very end. I was getting out of my car in the parking garage at TMH when my phone began to, to buzz uh, in my pocket. I took it out, and it was Kara, his daughter-in-law. And she said, Pastor, I want you to know that Sheldon just passed away. And I said, Kara, I'm walking uh, through the parking lot to the door to go in right now. Who is with him? She said, Roger and Dennis are there. Now, when I walked up there, and walked into Sheldon's room. I want to tell you something about it. I want you to listen to this. Sheldon's purpose in life was finished. There was no more purpose for him in this life. It was done. God had taken him home. But up until then, it was st- his life still mattered. Something was said that, that I thought was... It, it kind of startled me a little bit. Some, a member of the, the staff came in and was talking to, <clears throat> to Roger and to Dennis. And Roger said, uh, well, I have the power of attorney. And she said, Mr. Wynn, the power of attorney went away on his passing. You no longer have the power of attorney for him. And what was in his will has come into play. At his passing. I thought, wow, that was profound. That was, a, that was a stark moment for me. Here's something else that's stark. God's plan for him on this earth was done. It all took place at the same time. Now, when I was a much younger man, I used to preach that God's plan for you stays in effect until you die. And I used to challenge older people to make sure that they were following God's plan for their lives. Now that I'm not so young anymore, I still believe that God has a plan for life no matter the stage of life. God has a plan for young life. God has a plan for middle life. God has a plan for senior life. God has a plan for single living. God has a plan for married people. Listen to me. God has a plan for those of you whose marriage did not, uh, uh, unfortunately, had, had a bump in the road and you're no longer married. God still has a plan for your life. So get this very clear. You are who God made you to be and who God made you to be matters, and we should all of us find what He has for our lives and do it and live in the confidence that He is working in our lives. God's will is right for me. Will you say that, please? God's will is right for me. Say it like you mean it. God's will is right for me. Here's the second thing I want you to see. It is best, or excuse me, it is real in my life. It's right in my life, and it's real in my life. Here's what I mean by that. God's will isn't something that we visit on Sunday and leave it at church and come back and visit the next Sunday. God's will is real in my life every day. When you're sitting in in a church service, God has a plan for your life. 
God also has a plan for your life uh, on Monday when you're going to work. God has a plan for your life every day, and it's a very real plan for your life. If, if things are not going as we want them to go, our tendency is to think that God is unhappy with us. But God may not be unhappy with us at all. It may be that God is just living out His plan for our lives in the way that should be lived out. We go back to the premise of this entire series in Job twenty three fourteen. for He will complete what He appoints for me. God is doing something that He will complete in your life. Every person comes to a my life is over moment. Every per- person does. My life is over. Everybody does. We all come to those places at least once in our lives and sometimes more than once in our lives. We come to the place of saying, well, that's it. I just don't think that I'm, I, I believe that anything that was out there for me is over now. Job was living God's plan for him when suddenly in a very good life, a hard turn was taken. He absolutely lost everything. The pleasures of life, the people in his life, uh, the, the, the wealth of life, even his health. In, in the depths of despair, Job had friends who came up with their ideas as to why these things had happened. And let me say this to you. There are a lot of people that have a great deal of speculation on why this happened or why that happened. And, and this is happening in your life, and I believe I know the reason that it's happening in your life. I'm going to speak into your life. And I appreciate, uh, to a certain measure, people having that kind of an interest. That being said, only God knows His plan for your life. And if you are born and born again, you can find God's plan for your life, just like Job understood God's plan for his life. Job uh, had these people that were talking to him, and Job, who had already declared his undying allegiance to God, uh, stating that even if God were to slay him, he would remain uh, true to the everlasting God. He offers a response to his friends. Here's that response in Job twenty three thirteen. But he is unchangeable. And who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me. And many such things are in his mind. He goes on to say, therefore, I am terrified at his presence when I consider I am in dread of him. Uh, God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet, I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. He said, look, I know that some bad things have happened in my life, but here's what else I know. I know that God is unchangeable. I know that God is unstoppable. I know that God is working out a plan in my life. And just because it doesn't feel good right now, I'm not going to bail out on God's plan and chase after your plan and chase after your advice. You may recall that the reason for all of this in Job's life was that God was proving a point to Satan. That he had somebody on this earth who was absolutely faithful and would stay faithful even to the end. And that was Job. Now, Job at this point in his life didn't know why he was receiving this treatment, but he knew that regardless of how it felt to him, God was carrying out a plan. Now, this is the point. Whether it feels good or bad, you know that you are carrying out what God has appointed for you, and you can have confidence in the call when you are living his plan. How many of you, and I am going to ask for a raising of hands, my hand's going to be up on this one. How many of you have had something to take place in your life that did not feel 
good to you in your life. Maybe you, you, you didn't even know where it came from, but you had an occasion, you had a decision, you had some point in life where life just didn't feel very good. Would you raise your hand? Be honest about it. Everybody has. Everybody has. We've all had that happen in our lives. Now listen, when we are living and doing God's plan for our lives, you know what can happen? We can be confident in the middle of those difficult things. We can keep our eyes, as the Bible says in Hebrews, focused on Him. We can stay focused on Him even when things are really, really bad. We're talking today about having confidence in the plan of God. And here's how we can have confidence and why we should. Because it is right for me. It is real in my life. Now get this. It's ready for your response. It's ready for us to respond to. There are choices on how we respond to God. I want to give you those choices today. Whether God is calling us to do something that is life-changing or He's leading us in a, a personal decision or, or a, a directional, a course change, regardless of what it is, we have a choice in how we can respond. The Bible says all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. That basically means that I can make decisions for my life. I can make them all day long, but not every decision that I make is going to be the right decision. Now, how do we know whether or not we're making the right decision? Well, let's talk about the decisions or the responses that we can make. Here's the first response. This is the one that a lot of people make, no and no. There, this is the response when your answer is no and your action is no. You know a lot of people like this. this, this is, these, these people are plentiful. You know a lot of people. They, they want nothing to do with God, certainly nothing to do with God's will. They don't want to hear about it. They, they do not want to know more about it. They do not want to entertain that that he is the giver of their life and that he is, has a plan for their lives and they don't want to talk about the importance of God in their lives. God is a non-factor to them and they want to keep it that way. I, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't believe God has a plan. I, no, even if he does have a plan, I'm not going to do it. Now please understand that God is great and God can get anyone's attention. God can speak to your heart in the middle of the night, or God can get your attention in the middle of the storm. But even still, it's up to you as to how you respond. If you have someone in your life who's this kind of person, and many people do, many of you know somebody that's like that, no, no, (laughs) no, no, here's the best thing for you to do. You're not going to convince or argue somebody like that into responding properly to God. You're not going to. You know what you need to do? You need to live your life in a positive and powerful way as a child of God. You don't need to try and argue them into your point of view. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be that way. You just need to live the kind of life and be a good testimony and let God work in their lives. Can anybody ever change from no, no to yes, yes? Absolutely they can. The one response is no, no. Here's the second response. Yes, no. That is, they say yes, but then they never follow through on what they've committed to God. Promises made and broken are promises that should have never been made. This is true in every aspect of life. It's true in marriage. It's true in parenting. It's true in business. It's true in the Christian life. 
Of course, there can be a a mistake in taking a path where God didn't lead. But if you know what God is leading you to do and you make the commitment to do it, don't lose confidence in the plan that God has for your life. Don't say, oh, yes, I'm going to do it and then not do it. That's like you might as well said no. When, When Jan and I made a commitment to one another, on September the 2nd, 1972, at the Eastland Baptist Church on Gallatin Road in Nashville, I specifically remember that my father, who was performing the wedding ceremony, used these words, till death do you part. And we didn't say yes and then live no. Sheldon and Virginia went. Married 67 years. Virginia looked at me through tears yesterday crying. She said, I've always loved him. We want to, we want to do what we commit to God to do. But there are a lot of people who say yes and then say no. Then there's some people who say no and then do Yes. Are you getting all this? No, no. Yes, no. No, yes. These are the people who say no at first, and then later on they say yes. Now, they're better off than the people who say yes and then no. However, they put themselves through a lot of needless heartache. If you're going to say yes in the end, you might as well say yes in the beginning. Look, Jonah's a good example of this. Jonah's a guy that said no, no, no. And then God put him right in the middle of some big gigantic fish. We always call it a whale. I don't know what it was, but it it had to be big. I mean, you know, it's not just everyday fish that can swallow up somebody. And in the middle of, of that fish with all the stuff that must have been in there, he said, yes. Could I, could I give another answer? Could I get another chance, please? Yes. Yes, I will go. Though they didn't go through the trauma of Jonah, this is exactly how Moses responded. This is exactly how Gideon responded. They said, no. And then they said, yes. God came to Moses and to call the children of Israel to lead them out of Egyptian bondage. And he said, no. I'm not the one that you want. I have all kinds of problems, including a speech impediment. How am I going to lead these people? I can't do this. But eventually, he said, yes. We want to live the yes life. In fact, here's the response that we really want. Yes, yes. There's four responses. No, no. Yes, no. No, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes says, I hear you. Yes, yes says, I'm on my way. Yes is yes in heart and yes in action. This is the Isaiah response. Here's the way all of us should respond to God. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. That's the response. Yes, Lord, I heard you. Yes, Lord, I'm doing it. Yes, Lord, I'll make the decision. 
Yes, Lord, I'll take that step. Yes, Lord, I'll obey. Yes, 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 yes. That's the response. Sir Francis Drake was an English admiral who circumnavigated the globe from 1577 to 1580. He helped defeat the Spanish Armada in 1588. And he was the most renowned seaman of the Elizabethan era. And although the whole of his life could not be described as stellar, he did offer a visionary prayer and one that I think sums up the whole matter of being confident in God's plan for our lives. I close with it. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of hope and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Disturb us, Lord. Paul wrote these words, being, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Have confidence in God's plan for your life.